Season two. When we think about life, we think about pain, joy, peace, turbulence, stagnancy, growth, and a bunch of other things. Things that guide our experiences and how we view the batshit crazy society we live in. And with that, I bid you welcome to the Volatile Times with Daniel podcast, a show where I, Daniel, your host, seeks to bring just a little bit of balance on everything to the table. So sit back, relax, listen closely, because you are in for a treat. Hello, fluid ones. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good whatever time of the day you are listening to this. And welcome to the Volatile Times with Daniel podcast. Yes, we have started, officially started on the season two. And even though this is an amazing thing, the season two of the podcast is starting. We aren't really starting this at a very, very happy moment in our history as Nigerians. Um... In case some of you didn't know, something horrendous has happened. The most horrendous event in the democratic history of Nigeria happened on the 20th of October, 2020. It's popularly known as the Lekki Massacre, and that is what we are actually going to be addressing today. So today's episode is not going to have all the gym gym and all the niceties about the news you're going to be hearing in the season two and other stuff like that. So for this episode, I gathered a couple of friends and I wanted us to talk about the events of Tuesday night. Queen Rafi of the Queen Rafi Space, Abisola of the Pilgrimage of Her Podcast, and Tobo Egbekun, my very, very long-term friend who is also a copywriter. And we sat together, we did a Zoom live. Um, some of you were able to catch it, some of you were not. We did a Zoom live and then we just talked about the events of Tuesday what led to it, the aftermath, and how people ha- could deal with it, and what we could determine would be the future of the movement of the NSAS protests. So, sit back, relax, you know, listen. I think this was helpful, not just to us, but also to a lot of people who were online at the time, and I think it would be helpful to you also. Now, a little bit of a caveat. Because of our Nigeria network, the Unasavina, we had some issues, you know, voice overlapping because of the network. Um, should I say downtime feedback? I don't even know what English to use, you know. So just forgive the audio a little bit, but I think for the majority of it, you could streamline very well and not have issues. So here's the meeting. Okay, let me get introductions out of the way. So first off, we have Rafi Ataki one day. She's popularly known as Queen Rafi. She is a Muslima a radio presenter and a podcaster, and she's the host of the Queen Rafi Space podcast. And her podcast has over 400 episodes. Guys, 400 episodes, like, mad, like, <laughs> we look up to the... <laughs> and then uh, next up, I have Tobo. Tobo, Tobo has been a friend of mine since school. That's back 2012, I think. Has been a friend of mine since 2012. Um, he's a content writer, 
He's a business to customer copywriter and he's a blogger of sorts. Also, I have with me Abisola Isaac. I think I wrote Abisola Day on, <laughs> on the posters. I don't even know where that yeah, it's my full name is Abisala Odebumi. <laughs> I was I kept trying to find out what the order was, but then I just I was like, what the hell we did on the audio. Yeah. Yeah, Abisala is a vocal coach. You can hear it from her voice. She's also a blogger. She's a podcaster, the host of the pilgrimage of her podcast, and a proud mother of one, Ara. Such a beautiful girl, like Ara is such a beautiful girl. And then we have Uche Naoka, popularly known as UC Royale. She is, Uche is a lot of things. Like, she's a boss. She's a lot of things. She's a voiceover artist. She's a radio slash TV presenter. She's a media personality. She's a podcaster. She's a journalist. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I can keep on going. But like, there's just so much I can read of. And she's the host of the Two Cents with UC Royale podcast, which is a great podcast. But oh, I think she went off. Ah, next. Um, so once again, I am so thankful that you guys are here. I am happy. And hopefully, I hope tonight's discussion will be a very productive one. I hope for it to. So um, as you as people join, please, can you mute your mic if you are not speaking at the at the point so that there will be um less static noise and all, all this kind of stuff coming in. Thank you very much. So, um, the topic for tonight's meeting is the night Nigeria went dark. And I know it sounds dramatic and everything, but I think it's a very, very fitting topic for what we're going to be discussing about tonight. Because it's a... Tuesday night was a horrendous night. I don't, I don't know if anybody saw... Um, I don't know if anybody saw DJ Switch's live, live audio here and Chris Clown's live audio and a couple of people's live audio. It was... It was horrible to watch. Like I was seeing bullets being put out and being taken out of people's body. You know, they were using scars to like, you know, put pressure on wounds to make sure that, you know, people don't bleed to death and everything. And it's not like something that you just see from movies, you understand? Like you see this thing in movies, it looks exciting. We are like, we shout, yay, ah, oh my God. But seeing it happen in real life, to people that were just around our age, you understand, who were fighting for equality, who were fighting for justice, it was it, it was difficult to take in. And also it was difficult more so because it was done by soldiers who were uh, employed and trained to protect us, the citizens of this country. And just, you know, so let me start uh, let me start with Abisola. Abisola, you are not in Nigeria currently. Yeah. Uh, you how was it being, even though you are not here, how was it learning about what happened on Um, One word I would say is heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because, you know, from over here, like just, like you said, I live I live in London. And to be very honest, if my parents didn't move to London, that could be me there on the streets. If we didn't move to London, this is what I was thinking. This was my thought process. That could be me out there. I have family over there. People are are going out on the streets just demanding for basic human rights. Mm -hmm. Things that, you know, we've gone so long, we've lived for so long without. Um, you know, just like, you know what, we just want to be able to live and be free. It's the simple things and then to watch on social media, to just watch all these things going on, unfolding, and then you just feel helpless. You feel helpless. You feel like, 
what is it what can i do there's not much that you can do you can just see people losing their lives in their own country there's something that struck my um i don't want to say everything that i'll probably say tonight but there was one thing that i was thinking about today with the whole black lives matter movement and everything going on all these things are happening in countries that are not your home they're happening when you go out protesting for black lives matter in london you're protesting for your equal rights in a country that's not really your home everyone still has somewhere that they can still call home now me thinking that these protests are happening in nigeria which is your home where else are you going to go where else are you going to go but in your own home people are shooting you people are killing you people are trying to keep you down for asking for the basic basic human rights that everyone should have it was very heartbreaking there was just so many emotions i couldn't i had to go off social media because i couldn't believe what i was seeing it was yeah. just really really bad yeah I, I, and i understand exactly how you're feeling um Tobo, let me bring you in on this how was the events of tuesday night the massacre as we as we are calling it at togate lucky togate how was it for you how was it you're living in Lagos, you understand? You're living, even though you're, you live hours away from where it happened, but still you're living in Lagos, the epicenter of where it happened. How was it for you? How was it to know that you are close to the place where something like that was happening? Yeah, Daniel, um, thank you for inviting me for this discussion. Um, honestly, I, I felt helpless. I felt disgusted that something like this this is actually happening. Basically, we're basically begging for, not begging for, us not to be killed. And these people literally said, middle finger, we're going to shoot you on top of your own rights. I mean, that's that's basically what we're trying to say. We are shooting at youth and for protesting peacefully. And the thing is, we never raised the finger. They didn't do anything. They did nothing wrong. They were just exercising our rights as citizens of Nigeria. And these guys brought bullets with war bullets to shoot at people. In fact, I couldn't just believe what I was seeing on DJ Switch's live on Instagram. It was just, it was horrendous. It was, it was just madness. And yeah. even, I was talking with my grandma yesterday. She was saying, she was telling me that even during the Biafra war, it wasn't even this bad of what they just did. Civilians like that. If at all you're going to even be targeted. Sorry, so, hello, Tobo, Tobo, please. Um, hello, it's Tobo. so wrong. Ah, honestly, man. Yeah. Um, we didn't catch what you said about the Biafra War. That seems to be So can you, like, what you said about the Biafra War? Okay, so my grandma was even telling me, yeah, are you there? Yeah. That it's, yeah, yeah, that it wasn't even that bad. That even during the Biafra War, there, also, there are rules to even go. That if people are injured, they even let the ambulance or whoever that is taking care of people to come over to take care of people down the war ground. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Now, the ambulance was even supposed to pass through and they didn't even allow the ambulance to pass through until minutes later, which means they wanted to almost finish everybody at that Lekito gate side. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what happened, what happened on Tuesday, 20th of October is something that is not done anywhere in the world. Yeah, and it's and, just and, it's really sad, Daniel. I, I, it's very, very sad. Yeah, and on that, hello, Queen Rafi. I see that you're back. So, um, I'd like to bring you in on the conversation, and I'd like to actually ask a question. How do you think we 
devolved into that kind of how do you think we got got to that situation like the protest started peacefully everything started peacefully you know it was a couple of people they were camping out somewhere and then it became thousands it became thousands and thousands of people in different in over 100 cities in nigeria and peaceful protests then we heard about thugs and everything but how did we go from hiring thugs to disrupt the protests to just having our soldiers just gone down its own sequence like i'd like to bring you in on that queen rapid do you have any opinions or any insights um I think uh, I've been follow- I was following the whole. First off, I don't even know how what triggered the NSAS protest to start, but of course, this has been something that um, has been happening quite a lot of times. Almost every year, there's always a time where people say, "Oh, this has people have to go and all of that." But I think that at the point where we moved from it being a peaceful protest to it becoming really bloody was when they were hiring talks to actually track NSAS protest people, and still yet the NSAS the protesters refused to go, you know, become violent. Instead, the other people that had like help from feminist call on Twitter decided to start hiring, you know, like uh, security, private security companies to actually be like a form of uh, security for them. Mm-hmm. So the government is like, we're doing everything possible to make this thing come down. And it seems like when we bring up a new rule, there is something else that these people are able to stand because these people were ready for the long haul. I think that, you know, the best thing, the, the, the best thing that they taught in their minds was, you know what, I mean, if we start to shoot, maybe that's going to mm. disrupt the whole thing, which is what has happened. But at the same time, we've lost quite a lot of people. And the truth is, Nigeria actually has a history of using violence to stop protesters. The only problem this time, I, I will not say the only problem, I'll just say this time around is because it's happening to a younger generation who are active on social media and can actually make a lot of noise about it. This is not the first time that the government have sort of decided to violence to stop um, protesters. For example, there was the uh, Shiite movement that was happening in Zaria. Till today, those people claim that over 300 people of their members were actually killed and uh, mass buried by the Nigerian army. Mm. We cannot verify that. But because those people were not live streaming what happened and, you know, they are a particular Islamic sect and people felt like they were, you know, in, um, always looking for trouble and stuff and always, you know, doing their, their movements without informing anybody or the stuff, people didn't talk about it. So it was okay for that to happen to them because, oh, well, they are sort of like a nuisance, even though what happened to them was not good. Same thing happened to the IPOB protesters, the Biafra guys who want to be Biafra. The same thing, the government used, you know, the Nigerian army to go there, shoot everybody down, you know. I mean, a very popular one that we all can relate to, um, Timayas, Bayelsa, Odio. That was exactly what happened in Bayelsa as well. Sending the Nigerian army level of whole community down to the ground. The only difference now is this time around, it was live streamed. This time around, it was shown. If not, look at all of the news that have been coming up to say, oh, it's you're literally telling us that something that was a live stream is actually photoshopped. And I'm like, Oga, if you want to lie, can you not be intelligent? Be lie. Like, so that's just the truth. It's not if this is not the first time that Nigerian Nigerian government has decided we cannot handle this or all. If they cannot handle something, they resolve to okay, let's use violence. So it's just really sad that this time around it's on a global scale that we can all see this internet is live streaming. If not, they would come and spin a different story for us on the news. And because we did not see what happened clearly, we would support it. And I think that's it. They, they just couldn't understand the fact that they were doing everything to stop it from 
doing this protest, but the youth were insisting, we want action. We just don't want you to come and talk on and paint everything good and nice for us. So they, they didn't, they didn't, there was nothing else for them to do. They tried to bribe leaders. The protesters say, we don't have leaders. You want to talk to us? Talk to everybody. I mean, we had issues of some particular state governments, state governments giving money to the protesters and the protesters rejecting them. That has not happened in Nigeria in a very long time. What mm -hmm. they are used to is people shout, 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 we are protesting, you know, and then they say, oh, bring your leaders to the table, let's negotiate. And then there's brown envelope, and then the whole thing dies down. But this time around, the youth were like, we know all these tactics. It's not going to work on us this time around. And they just felt, you know what, let's use violence. That's just exactly what happened there. And it's yeah. really, really sad. I couldn't watch DJ Switch's live stream for long. I just couldn't because I was, I, 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 I was just, I, I couldn't believe that it was happening in Nigeria. And I just couldn't believe that people were being shot at where they were singing the national anthem and waving the Nigerian flag. I just needed to get off that life, that life, because if I stayed there, I think the last stretch of, of hope or whatever it is I have in Nigeria would have just died. So I, I try to protect that by Another. not watching that life. But honestly, it was, it was disastrous. Yeah, okay. I want to take off the end. Yeah, we, on, on Twitter, because I've been very, very active on Twitter with the whole um, NSAS movement, you know, tweeting and retweeting and sharing and talking to people and everything. I've been very, very active on Twitter. And I remember a post that said the, gov the government was about to deploy soldiers. I remember that I didn't really take it to be that serious, but then people said, tweeting and retweeting again. And then somebody said that he spoke to his dad who served in the army and that when and in, in situations like that, all they need to do is raise up the flag, don't engage the soldiers, raise up the Nigerian flag up high, make sure it is visible, you know, and, you know, chant the, the national anthem and that the soldiers will not be able to fire on them due to maybe a protocol, a rule or law or anything. But then we saw something else different, something else happened. And we know what happened. And like you said, Rafi, this is the age of the internet. It was live stream. They switched live stream. Chris Clown. I think Chris Clown also live streamed and a couple of other people. But yet, the next, the very next day, what we heard on the news was different. What um, the governor of Lagos State, Sonwolu, said was different. You know, what's different? Even the army on Twitter, what they said was different. It was basically gaslighting. And I'd like to bring you in here, Abisola. Are you, are you familiar with the concept of gaslighting? Hello, Abisola. Are you here? Okay, maybe she had to. Stop. Hi, just give me one second. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, please just um ask me that question again if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, the question I asked was, are you familiar with the concept of gaslighting? Um, no, not really. Are you talking about? Because I, I listened to um what you just said about the wrong information, and then um obviously people going ahead with information that they reach. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, no, um, um, recently, I just found this out recently, and I only found it out because of Big Brother Ninja, apparently. Apparently, you can learn something from Big Um, so, <laughs> oh. I learned about the concept of gaslighting. If I can add um, don't mind me interrupting. Can you guys hear me? Yes, yes, we can. Yeah, so the term gaslighting is, um, for example, an administration downplaying something they've done wrong. So if, uh, if a government does something and it's totally wrong and they're trying to downplay the situation to make it not look as serious as it is, that's an example of gaslighting. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. So yes, um, that's what she said. Yeah, that's, really, that's happened a lot. 
yeah, please continue. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that's happened quite a lot in this in this in the last few days. Um, first of all, with the with the governor of Lagos saying that there were no fatalities or there were no you know seriously injured people killed as a result, which which we all know is completely wrong. As um, as Rafi said, if we didn't have the lives and if we didn't have the videos and everything going around, we wouldn't we would completely believe what they've said. And um, I don't know if any of you have seen the tweets that Buhari put out. I don't know, he put it out today, basically downplaying everything that's happened and make, making it seem as though um, people have just been out there being violent for no reason. And if we need a, a way to, if we need a way to resolve things, then we should resolve it with conversations and things going on. And it's like, we're not stupid. We've been, we've been seeing everything unfold. We started off with peaceful protests and then you didn't say anything for weeks. You didn't say anything for days. And now you're coming out to downplay everything that's been going on, seriously downplaying things. People have not been able to sleep. People have been crying all over the world. People have been protesting, candlelight, everything. People have been doing whatever they can because this is hitting each and every one of us. It's hitting every human being. And for the president of Nigeria to go on Twitter, on Twitter, on a social media platform to release these statements, downplaying everything that's going on shows that there is no regard for human life. There is no regard for Nigeria and its citizens. And at this point, I personally, I don't know how we can move forward with this because people are so broken. People are so, it's like, where do you find the hope? Where do you find the hope if your leaders are, 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 are selling lies or telling lies and are downplaying the, the seriousness and the, the, the severity of everything that's going on? Exactly. Exactly. I mirror I mean, that I sentiment. Don't know. Exactly. Um, up next, I want to bring Tobo and Rafiat. I'll bring Tobo in first and then Rafiat. Can Rafiat in separate? On the internet, I don't know whether it was yesterday or today, it started um, the Jubril rumor. And for those who are not familiar with the Jubril rumor, the Jubril rumor is something that I think started out in 2015, just um, shortly after Buhari took up office. Um, it was a rumor that circulated for about three months that we did not hear anything from the president. He was in Nigeria. Some said he was dead. Some said he was this and that. And then Jubril rumor rose up that when Buhari came back, it wasn't Buhari. It was a doppelganger. You know, it was a double. It was, I know, it was, I know, it sounds, it sounds James Bond. It sounds Mission Impossible, kind of, you know, like wearing the marks and then, you know, the whole voice tag and everything. And, you know, it's circulating. Yeah. In but, Tobo, here's the question I would like to ask you. What is the probability? Like, I know we are not spy agencies. We are not analysts, you know, crime analysts here and everything. We are just regular people. That, that have a mind for ourselves. So I, also, I have to ask you, yeah. what is the probability that the Buhari on the presidency throne, because it's a throne right now, not a democracy, what's the, what's the probability that he's a doppelganger and not the actual guy? <laughs> well, honestly, um, the the reports and the tweets I've been seeing for the past few years, because there's a tweet from an Eric Joyce um, from 2017, giving his condolences that uh, to Nigeria saying that Buhari was dead and all that. And there were about two other tweets like that. Well, the thing is, let's say Buhari is dead. It doesn't make any difference because he wasn't even doing anything in the first place. So the thing is, it's, it would be very sad that 
they are just using a puppet to just uh or a figurehead just to control whatever is happening in the country you understand and the 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 main issue here is even if Buari was still alive due to his trend of way back since when he was even in power in the 80s he never really had any impact in government he was always tribalistic with his motive with everything going around so we cannot say for certain if he's actually alive or not but if he's not that would be disastrous for the country you understand you know, we, because there are a lot of conspiracy theories around and everything. But if he isn't, <laughs> well, Daniel, that would be really bad. That would be so bad. But my point is, Bari has never had the interest of the nation at heart. All he has an interest in is just his part, his, his tribe, and how to take care of the North. Mm. And how to keep his people in ignorance so he can continue to get votes for the next elections to come or something. Or to favor his people. So even if he is dead or alive, there is no there is no impact that Bari can do. I mean, look at what um, Abisola just confirmed with the tweets. You understand? So yeah, that's my view on it. So whether he's dead or not, Daniel, it doesn't make any difference. He's incompetent, and so is his minister and his cabinet. Wow, Omar, those are very very strong words, strong words, strong sentiments that I echo. And Pinrafi, let me bring you in here. Question I want to ask you right now is why do you think people are circulating the rumor of Buari being a uh, the current Buari being a doppelganger, being a Jubril? Why do you think people are circulating it now? What do you think is the reason behind? Hello, hello, Ken Rafi, are you here? Hello. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. Did you hear the question? Yes, I I, I got the question. Okay. I think that a lot of people feel a lot of people feel that. This particular president there is not the real president and all of that. And this is why, because when things happen, you expect that your leader, your president, somebody you supposedly gave your vote to would come out to say, you know, I'm assuring you that everything is okay. Like he comes out as quickly as possible to, you know, assure you that everything is going to be okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm on top of the situation, even if you're not on top of the situation. There is something that a leader's morale does to be. It tells the people that you care. It tells the people that you see them. Do you understand? And that has not been the trend for him. Let's look at the COVID-19 situation. COVID-19 was going on for like how long? Almost two to three weeks before we heard anything from the supposed president. And in fact, it almost became a lot of noise that why is the president not saying anything? Why is the president not saying anything? And when he was finally going to say anything, it was a recorded message. There were even calls from journalists to say, we want to, you know, have a live session with the president. But that didn't happen. After that, after the whole noise about say, COVID-19, we had about three different recorded messages from the president saying, oh, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do. But the thing is, why do you need all that prep to come on if you are okay, if you are all right, if everything is, you know, okay where you are? If a president doesn't, I mean, let's take, for example, the um, Ghanaian president. The Ghana president himself, as I during the COVID-19 thing, he was doing an update every single day to his people. Every single day. In fact, Ghanaian started to complain at some point that the president was on the TV too much. Meanwhile, in Nigeria, we were complaining that we have not even seen our president at all. Wow. Take a look at the whole um, NSAS movement here in Nigeria as well. Look at the NSAS movement. It took almost a whole week of people protesting for the president to send a recorded message, not up to two minutes, about one minute. People started calling it a voice note. 
a recorded message and it was posted on twitter on twitter it was posted on twitter i mean look at this one too it took 48 hours because according to now that we're having this i i realized um i heard that the president had an arrest um he had an address by 7 p.m today it took mm -hmm. Two forty-eight hours for you to come out. You are the commander in chief. The army just shot at people. The governor of the state says it was power beyond his control. You are the commander in chief. Everybody else is going to believe that you gave the order, and it took you forty-eight hours to come out and address the country. It, that alone makes people think that okay, maybe it's not Barry that is there. So the person that is there needs to do some mm. training, needs to do some preparation. And when you don't give the people the truth, they're going to find all kinds of conspiracy theories to support whatever they feel at that point in time. And that's what Nigerians are doing. We don't have the The presidency is not supplying the truth. Everybody is grasping at whatever it is they can grasp at. I was watching Al Jazeera and the special assistant to the president, the reporter was asking him, why do you think the president hasn't addressed? And the guy said he had no idea why the president hasn't addressed. Hello, if you that work in the presidency, you're the special assistant, have, do not have an idea why the president hasn't addressed us. How is me, a common nobody, supposed to know? The woman was like, okay, so when is the address going to happen? The guy said he had no idea. And wow. that's somebody who is working in the presidency. So if that person, if, if, the, if the people who are working in the presidency, they say they don't, okay, imagine this whole thing going on. His wife was just posting videos, videos of house and music, begging her husband to react. I mean, if Mr. M becomes president tomorrow and something is happening, I'm not sure the next thing I'll be doing is posting Yoruba song on Twitter. I'm going to be talking to my husband or making him do something, not appear, do something. But you start to think, does this man really exist? If his wife has to be posting songs on Twitter to say, address the people, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And when things don't make sense, People would grab at conspiracy theories. And that's what people are doing. At the point, I felt like the, the Jubril thing was, you know, was just like, okay, conspiracy theory. I mean, Nigeria, are we really that advanced to even? But trust me, in the last 48 hours, I can't put anything past the Nigerian government. I'm not even going to be surprised if it's not. If it, me, Sam, I started looking for connection, whether it's Jibril or it's not Jibril. As, as, as smart as I would like to believe I am, I started looking for the connection to it. Because... I mean, let's take Oyo State Governor. Let's even use Oyo State Governor, for example. The guy came out, when talks, when people would not go back to their house, the guy came out to the street to beg the guys to say, see, I'm your governor, I'm right here, I'm begging you. As soon as they stepped on the street, they were all happy. They were all happy, they were all excited. They left the streets and they were like, okay, no problem. Let's just, let's just end this and stop. That's the kind of morale that a leader that truly cares gives us. Mm. And Buhari in recent times has not given us that kind of morale. Nothing, anything major happens. The governor will sit soak for maybe 48 hours before you address. And when that, those kind of things happen, I mean, Ghana's president was tweeting to tell us that he spoke to the president. Yeah. And <laughs> we in Nigeria had not heard anything from the president. And you're thinking, you're connected to Ghana and you can't even send out a tweet. You can't even, you can't even say something. So all those kind of things, would, I mean, if I want to speak to my father, I can't speak to my father. And, and my father was sick for a very long time. I will begin to think that maybe my dad is dead and they're just trying to lie to me or they're just trying to replace me something. And even the video that we saw when um, uh, Songwolu had went to, went to show him the five for five that the, um, that the youth were asking for, my guy was laughing. He didn't say a word to Songwolu. He didn't say a word to him. Yeah. He was um, just laughing. Me, so you're starting to think... Here. 
is this just president really care? I mean, he's not the president. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, let me cut you off here. And I understand what you're saying. Like, me too, like, I feel it's a need for people to grasp as something else, like a reason to justify what has happened. And at, and the emotion that many of us felt, many of us felt was rage at the situation. We felt angry. We felt helpless. And that helplessness even translated to anger for a lot of people. And then we saw it devolve into riots where they said, my, my, like my friend Tobo would say, they were strategically <laughs> destroying businesses that would hurt people. But my question now is, um, and I hope anyone is willing to answer. I'm throwing this out to everybody. My question now is, the riots that happened, the vandalism of properties and every single thing, who would it hurt the most? The people in government or the regular citizens? Who would it hurt the most? I'm throwing this out there if anyone wants to pick it up. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I just I, I just feel like this, it will affect everyone, definitely. It will affect everybody. It will affect... Okay, so... At this point, remember at the beginning I said we had network issues? Yeah, we had a lot more than network issues. Apparently, I forgot that the Zoom meeting was on a 40-minute timer, and I didn't take that into consideration. So, we were cut off at this point. And when we came back, I forgot to record. Imagine, I forgot to record. So, about a, about 5 minutes to 10 minutes of the conversations was lost. So, I'll basically just do a recap. So, during that time that was lost, Abisola and Tobo gave their opinions on the last question I asked, which was about the impact of the ensuing riots as a result of the Lekki massacre on Tuesday night. Who would it affect the most? And both of them came to a very, very, I would say, informed consensus that it will affect both parties, both the government and the regular people, but it will affect the regular people much more. Many people are going to lose their jobs. Many people are going to be, you know, stranded and different things like that. And it's going to make things harder for people. And why it is going to make things harder for people, it might bring about a revolution of or be what will spearhead making things better for people in the long run. But for now, the regular citizens are going to be affected a lot, a lot much more than the government. Because no matter how much the government is going to lose, they've stuck out so much that it's going to be like they're losing chicken change in, in the end. And from there, I moved on to asking Kareem Rafi about how people could deal with the mental trauma and the mental stress of Tuesday's ni- uh, Tuesday night event. And that is what she's going to be talking about next. Uh, you mean, it's, um, you okay. mean you need to just recap or something? Okay, um, yeah, I would like you to recap on the part about how can people deal with the emotional trauma that ensued because of Tuesday's events. Sorry about that. I'll just do like something. It might not be as detailed as before, but I'll do something Fine. really quick. Okay, so let's see. I think that a lot of ways that people can, people can, you know, deal with what happened on Tuesday, first of all, is to, as much as possible, feel what you're feeling let yourself go through the emotions that you're going through. A lot of us, as much as they say Nigerians don't love their country, a lot of people love this country. And for you to blatantly see that the country that you love doesn't love you back, it's quite a lot of things to go through in your mind. But allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. If you're feeling mad, be mad. If you're feeling angry, be angry. If you're feeling sad, be sad. Just allow yourself to process that in your 
because if you don't process that emotion there's going to be a lot of problems if you don't do that another thing again is to you know find people that you can talk to about it talking always helps i think people underestimate the the, the healing powers of just talking if you want to call up a friend call up a friend and you guys can talk and bash the government as much as you want it's going to take some sort of burden off you and it's just going to make you feel a lot more lighter about exactly what it is that is going on. I mean, we being on here is also a way of detoxing and trying to get out some of the things that's on our mind. Exactly. If that is not working and you feel yourself you feel yourself falling deeper, then it's time to get help. And that help is available online. I know there's a lot of information online, but if you're specific about just going there to find one thing, you would find it. I mean, search for mentally aware on um Twitter. They've been having all of these group sessions. They've been calling up people. As soon as the NSAS protest started, they've been having all of that because they know this is a lot of trigger to a lot of people. So if you feel that you are getting to that point where you are, ah, man, I don't call my friend. I know if you handle them. You've, you've tried to you know, process your emotions. You can't do it all by yourself. Then it's time to get help. They have a lot of materials on their website. So even before you get to somebody to talk to, to you from the mentally aware organization you can go through their materials for how to deal with the panic attack how to deal with sadness and so many other stuff that they have, have on there it's very important another way is to unplug it's important for you to unplug because there's a lot of information overload especially on social media social media used to be where we used to go and have fun where we used to go and laugh at all the clapbacks on twitter but now twitter is literally like a whole media organization fake news bad news all kinds of news are spreading on there you don't even know which one is true no 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 they say somebody was shot next thing they tell you oh it's from a drama oh it's 2015 so it's necessary for you to unplug from social media as much as you can and even the news the news itself i mean i i see some people staring at arise tv for like hours and hours all of that does something to you so unplug from all of that as much as possible watch comedy movies watch things that don't require you to process anything at all a really good way to to distress honestly watch things that don't require too much thinking something that you can just laugh and it's not it's not so stressful it's really important for this time that we are and one thing i'll also finally say when it comes to unplugging is to also remind yourself that you need to feel what you're feeling because when you don't feel what you're feeling you you internalize a lot of stuff and by the time you're going to explode, it might even be worse than people that are destroying all kinds of properties. And you don't want to do that to yourself. So allow yourself to feel and then allow yourself to find a way through that. There is no textbook answer to how you can go for it. I cannot tell you if you do A, B, C, D, A, F, G, and you're going to be okay. Your own healing process might start from F to A. Somebody's own might just be A and B, but you need to try everything possible to protect yourself as much as you can. Thank you so very much. And I'm sorry I had to make you say all of that again, but like it was it was helpful to even hear it a second time. Helpful to hear it a second time. And you mentioned something like sometimes you can just record yourself ranting. Like act like I see there's somebody at the other end of the recorder and just rant. Like I had to do that with a friend because he was going through something. And you know, he had something he needed to say to someone, but he didn't want to be rude. He didn't want to say hurtful things. So I just drew him to a corner. I turned on my phone recorder and I said, ask like I said, somebody, the person you need to say these things to is on the other end of the phone. And I just acted like I said, I wasn't there. And he started pouring out his heart. It was awesome to see. And when he was done, he didn't even listen to the recording again. When he was done, there was this calmness, like, ah, 
of taking everything out. You understand? It didn't solve the issue, but it reduced the amount of he was feeling at the time. So yeah, that's something we can also try again. Um, Abisola, would you like to chip in a things at this point? Um, I mean, Queen Rafi, as the queen, she said really, really helpful, helpful <laughs> things. Um, I wouldn't say that there's there's much that I can add to that. Just just um just going off what she said what i find helpful for me personally is to write things down um and when i say write things down sometimes you go back and read it and you're thinking okay what i was feeling this way (laughs) oh was that me or someone else you know so it's really helpful to write to write it down when you're feeling frustrated um take time out listen to music there are things that you can do breathing exercises that i think like she mentioned some pages are out there on instagram um just out there on you you know breathing exercises meditating meditating in the in the sense that i'm not trying to say she's in i'm not trying to get anyone into yeah, any funny business but <laughs> yeah but um you know meditating taking a quiet time writing things down listening to music you know yourself what would work for you um so it's just it's just to to just take that time out to unwind and like queen rafi said all the information on social media just take a social media break it is not what it used to be now every time you're on social media it can make you feel worse so every time you're seeing something that you know is making you feel a certain way just go off it completely just take time out from social media and you know go for a walk just look outside and see what's outside look and look you know what's going on i feel like things like that help so that's my own little contribution um yeah that's what i thank you thank you very much like Rafi, like you said as the queen killed it and you came up as a great support thank you so very much like what you guys have said is so very helpful and i'm sure to others who are currently listening or who are going to be listening to it through the podcast tomorrow they are going to find many of the things you guys have said here because these are volatile times. I had to chip that in. But these are volatile times. You yes, understand? I-, <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. It's a bit late, to be honest. It's a bit late, yeah, yeah. It's a movie and you're waiting for when the name of the movie appears. <laughs> like, I didn't want to and, see and I did something that I missed out. <laughs> Um, Daniel, sorry, I think something that I did miss out that I wanted to, I think just came into my head now as regards what you can do to help your mental health. Are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm hearing you. Hello. Yeah, I think one thing that we did miss out, I know that a lot of people might say, oh, um, why are you bringing this in? But honestly, I'm a big fan of prayer. If prayer is what works for you, don't let anybody tell you there's no God or there's nobody listening. If all there was a God, all of this would not be here. If prayer is what works for you, my brother, better get on your knees. You know, if you're a Muslim, if reading the Quran is all for you, you better read that Quran as much as you can. Because, like I said, you have to know what works for you. Because people are online saying, oh, if there was a God, this would not be happening, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't mean that your faith that you have in God should just be targeted for that. Mm-hmm. If prayer is what works for you, then trust me, go ahead and do it. What is important is you getting yourself back to at least an 80 or a 90, because I can't even tell anybody it would be 100 at this point. But at least an 80 or a 90, or even if you're fluctuating, just getting yourself back there. So if prayer is what works for you, please pray. Even if it's just one line of prayer that you know, go ahead and say it. You never just know 
when the universe might be listening. And sometimes it might just be the prayer of one person who could be you that would save all of us from all of this drama and all of this madness. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much. And I actually was going to mention prayer because yesterday, yesterday morning, I woke up and I had this, you know, I had this big pain in my heart. I had this thing. And then the first thing I saw, because I turned on my um, my data because I had to receive emails and everything. And then I saw this tweet where somebody was like, haven't we prayed enough? And I was like, that's a good question. But I was like, that isn't really a question for people right now. And it, it inspired me to write something on my WhatsApp status, which I'm going to read out. Um, it said, for many wondering, we aren't praying so that we can dump our situation in God's lap and be like, there, solve it. We aren't praying so that we can ignore the situation or ignore our responsibilities to it. This is a misconception. We pray because we need God who is just. We pray because we need God who instructs unto righteousness. We pray because we need God who time and time again has set people in from oppression. We pray because rather than wallow in our helplessness, we wallow and table it in God's presence. When we are unable to do anything or see any, we go to our Father for strength, for hope, for peace, and for justice. We pray so that we find a strength beyond our mortal bones to endure and persevere. We pray because for many of us, it is the only thing we can do. We have no strength anywhere except in God. We tweet, we repost, we talk to people, but our biggest country is talking to our Father. We pray because this is how we fight our battles. Justice will surely prevail sooner or later. God never fails. So please don't take away the drive and significance of prayer from who already feel too due to how things are and work. Also, just because we can't see it, it doesn't mean our prayers aren't working and it doesn't mean things are not. So um, that's just a short of, because I didn't want to read everything, that's just a short of what I posted on my WhatsApp status. And I actually got a lot of messages with people like, yeah, they needed to hear this, you know, this help. And I was like, it was just inspiration that I hit. So like Kirinafi said, um writing helps a lot you understand in fact you might write the, you might write the next you know album that will shake nigeria <laughs> Abisola, i'm looking at you so um so yeah um i want to now go Thank to you. yeah i want to go to the last question for tonight because as much as you want to dwell on you know what happened in the past and you know walk through it part of that i think part of the healing process is is looking towards the looking towards the future so, and since we're talking about the protest, I want to ask, is there a future for protests currently? Um, Tobo, I'd like to ask you this question. Is there a future for protests currently? Because I know you're a copywriter and a copywriter is supposed to write something that targets a particular audience, you understand? So as a copywriter with that marketing mindset, is there a future for the NSAS protests currently? Um, well, yeah, definitely. Uh, hey, Daniel, please. You, do you mean like, you mean if the NSAT protest that we've done um, currently, whether it has uh, had any impact or will have any impact? Uh, no, that's not actually what I mean. I mean, um, like Abisola mentioned, um, and I also mentioned, the violence, and seeing violence currently has already taken over the image of NSAT's protest. You understand? It has derailed things a bit. So taking off that, we've seen that, okay, now that we go out on the streets, we are, we are likely to... Is that your question? network sorry um the question i'm basically trying to ask is now that what happened on tuesday happened uh moving forward yeah. is there a future for the for the NSAS movement like no. is it is the future still going out to protest or going online to protest or just taking more legal work or which you just calm down just calm down and you know oh oh okay oh you, you see when it comes to 
No, I, honestly, um, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to um, emotions and messages and movements, you know, one of the strongest things for marketing is once you make people feel like when you make the movement the very foundation of something, it can never die down. Especially when their interests, they can see their interests right in front of them and they see that this thing is threatening their lives, it can never die down. Trust me, the government thinks that if they react to violence, people back down. But no, <laughs> no, Daniel, no. I can tell you that people are sad, yes. People are broken, but they're only going to come back stronger and continue protesting. I mean, you could see, you know, was it not yesterday or early this morning, people still went back to that lucky place, the lucky Tugi, and kept protesting. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said before, it's like you can't kill what's already dead. Once this, what the action they took, they killed some parts of people. And the thing is that once you've killed something, you can't kill it again. And therefore, they are only going to come back stronger and better. The emotions that they are going to channel through, they are going to do something better to make the country. You and I, everyone is going to play their part online, offline. Even if they can call off several curfews, they can call on and anything they want to do. People will continue. Things will never remain the same. Things will change because people have been triggered and they've reached in. I mean, this... This is a democratic, it is anyway, it's supposed to be a democratic society, you know, and they decide to respond to violence. Now, the thing is, people are going to continue to press hard and nothing is going to stop the moment. It's only going to get better afterwards, after getting worse, but it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Thank you so very much for that. And I think you are right on the money when you say um, people are still going to... Um, let me share something on my screen. Um, it's something I saw on <laughs> one of the group chats I'm part of. And it says, summary of Wari's speech. It says, number one, come out for our roads. Number two, I beg, stop vandalizing. Number three, return about of Lagos' things. Number four, you see my Agbara set. <laughs> number five, when I know be protesters. Number six, police officers will die. Sorry, you. Number seven, governors will do their work. Well done, no. And <laughs> immediately I saw that, I was like, damn, people are not going to back down. Like, like you said, you can't kill something that is already. People are not going to back down. People are going to be gung ho. In fact, I have a feeling that my friend said something today. He said something is going to happen very soon. Um, I don't know whether it was in the spirit of prophecy, but like my spirit resonated with that. I felt it when he said something big is going to happen very soon. I felt it and cannot tell whether it's going to be a good big or a bad big, but something big is going to happen soon. And Queen Rafi said, what is dead may never die? Like, like, tonight is just, oh God, let's, <laughs> let's, okay. I don't want to draw things way too long because that, that, that's the thing that hit me tonight. Uh, what is dead may die? And it's true. And it's true, you know, we know some people, uh, take the people who died at the beginning of the whole NSAS thing, you understand? <laughs> Nagin or Tron's line. <laughs> oh shit. You know, thank you that died at the end of the whole NSAS thing at the beginning. The deaths propelled people forward. It gave people drive, you understand? We kept saying, remember their remember their names. I even wrote um, a short piece that I never shared these pieces. I don't, you know, but at the end of the piece, he said, be happy for we, be happy for you have done all these things. You have made the country better. A dead heartbeat. You know, 
these people have died, but their dead heartbeat has propelled us forward. It has given us courage. It has given us the drive to do better and to ask for more and to not back down. And I'm so happy, you know, Fouls, his dad, um, so many other people, Mr. Macaroni, um, a lot of people are speaking up, you know, are standing at the forefront of us. And we are also doing things. And I, I'm so proud as a Nigerian. I am so proud to see us united, not on top of Yahoo Yahoo matter, but for justice. And with that, I want to end tonight. I want to end tonight with this statement. Let's not forget to keep on praying. Some people are hurting so much and they don't know how to ask for, you know. Some people are hurting. Some people who, uh, like, take the family of Oke who died from, you know, thugs trying to raid his house as, at least that's what I heard. You know, take his family, take the mothers who have lost their children, take the fathers who have lost, those who have lost spouses. We need to pray for these people and we need to pray for ourselves as a nation because, like I said, no great movement happens without God. I don't care what anybody wants to say. No great movement happens. No great change happens without God. So we say RIP, rest in peace, and we hope all these people find rest in the bosom of we hope they we hope they see eternity and did I just say died well? You know, I just it's just a very, very emotional I don't want to draw this too long. So thank you so very much for everybody who showed up. Thank you, Abisola. Thank you, Tobo. Thank you, Pin Rafi. Um, we couldn't have UC Royal. It's such a sad thing, but I'd love to hear our view. But thank you so very much for gracing us with your I am hungry. Thank you for asking. Thank you for inviting. Thank you, Donald. Inviting us. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you so much. And I would like to say thank you to everyone who is still here. I would like to say thank you to Ernest Olusoya. Oh, my boss, thank you so very much. I have to thank you, say thank you to Itunu Akimbodi, Jody Lake, Mudukwe Oluwa, Olayemi Ajibola, S. Staveli. I have a feeling that that is Stanley, my guy, but he's hiding his name. Yeah, hiding. You know, thank you so very much for turning out tonight. Um, I hope today, tonight's discussion helped of us. And yes, may, may Nigeria get better in our time. Nigeria get better. The generation that comes after us, our children, the ones who we are currently teaching also, may they look at our past and see that, yes, we affected the change that enables them to live. So once again, thank you so very much. God be with you. And yeah, we've come to the end of the Yes, so finally, we've, um, that was the end of the meeting. And thank you so very much for listening so far. I really appreciate you guys and I hope our meeting, our discussion was helpful to some of you to process the events to be informed, also to process your emotions, you understand? I hope you guys got good advice, you understand, and how to think about the situation. Also, I forgot to do this in the meeting, but I'm doing it right now. Um, for our host, I'm very sure you guys enjoyed the way they talked, enjoyed their views and everything. So I would like to give you a way for you to contact each and every one of them, and I'll start with Queen Rafi. Kurafi's podcast is on so many platforms. So no matter what platform you're using for your podcast, I mean to listen to podcasts, you can just search for Kurafi Space on it and you definitely find her podcast. But on social media, on Instagram, she goes as at Kurafi Space. And on Twitter, she goes at Queen underscore Rafi. Now for Tobo, Tobo, like I said, is a blogger, so you can find his works. He's a blogger and copywriter, rather. You can find his works both on LinkedIn and on Medium. All you have to do is search for Tobo Egbekun. Egbekun is actually spelled E-G-B-E-K-U-N. And Tobo is spelled T-O-B-O-U, in case for those who were getting it wrong. And on Facebook, he goes by his name, Tobo Egbekun. And on Twitter, he goes by Mickey underscore E-E-E. That's triple E, Mickey underscore E-E-E. And on Instagram, he goes as Mr. underscore T-1. T as T-E-E-1. Then lastly, there's Abisola or Debumi. 
literally, <laughs> I I kept on saying Abisla or whatever. Anyway, her podcast also is on so many platforms. Also on Apple, same with Queen Rafi's podcast. So you, all you need to do is search for her podcast, which is titled "The Pilgrimage of Her." The Pilgrimage of Her, and on Instagram, she goes at as at the Pilgrimage of Her, and same thing with Facebook. On Twitter, she goes as Abby O'Day, and that is A B I I O D E at Abby O'Day. So, uh, also, you know the Twitter handle for your guy this year podcast. On Instagram, we go as at Volatile with Daniel, and we're, I'm working on the Facebook page, yeah. But on Twitter, I go as Daniel Briggs at Daniel Briggs. Briggs is spelled B R I G G Z. So, follow us, you know, interact with them. You can send a message you can show appreciation for their contributions and everything on the on this episode of the podcast and also you can donate to the podcast you can support the podcast financially through shukran you can you know make a daily donation a weekly donation a monthly donation anyway how your heart moves you whether it's hundred naira or one dollar or as much as one million or one million dollars you know as much as the, as the lord moves you but majority of all i am thankful for your support by listening and i hope you share the link to this episode to other people and i'll see you next week